This is the Artisan CEO Podcast Season 2, and today I've got a very special bonus episode that I cannot wait for you to hear. On this episode, I'm speaking with community leader and author Natalie Frank, who also happens to be a dear friend of mine, as well as my very first brand client ever. Natalie's new website is hot off the presses with a complete overhaul of her visual brand. We're talking a fresh logo, color palette, typography, and spanking new brand photos by yours truly. In this rare interview style episode, we'll be diving into why Natalie chose now to overhaul her brand, how she got started, and how she'd maybe start in a different order next time around, the messaging shift in her brand that was the main driving force behind so many of the visual elements, and why she went almost seven years between her last rebrand and this one. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. If you've yet to encounter the force of nature and heart that is Natalie Frank, she is an author, community builder, neuroscience nerd, and mama bear for small businesses. As one of the founders of the Rising Tide Society, the chief evangelist at HoneyBook, and author of Built to Belong, she leads tens of thousands of independent business owners while fostering a spirit of community over competition around the world. And because I don't want to interrupt our conversation with the ad that we normally drop into my podcast episodes, let's just go ahead and get that taken care of right now. If you are ready to plan and shoot your next brand photography session with excellence, leaving your clients 100% satisfied that what they paid was more than worth it, head on over to abbygrace.co slash podcast. We've got some amazing resources for you that will help you absolutely crush it at your next brand shoot. That's abbygrace.co slash podcast. All right, now let's get to the really good stuff. Okay, Natalie, thank you so much for being here. I, we've been friends. How long have we been friends? If we admit how long we've been friends, people will be able to figure out how old we are. So maybe we won't admit how long we've been friends. We'll just say it's been it's been a long time, and we know each other pretty well. Um, which means I have gotten a front seat to see your brand evolve from wedding photographer to the beginning of the Rising Tide Society to where you are now, which is this week you are launching a brand new website, which is so good. I just got a sneak peek of it. It's so good. Um, and so I wanted to take this time to talk through the evolution of that brand, not just the visual brand, the but, but the the heart and the soul that drove that visual refresh. Um, because you have been very, very strategic about how things have evolved with your brand. Um, and so when we first shot together, because you were my first branding client in 2016, which was bananas. So can you walk me through where you were and then we'll end up where you are now. But walk me through, like, where were you in May of 2016? You were working on the rebrand with Jen, Jen Olmstead of Tonic Site Shop. What prompted that rebrand? Yeah, so that rebrand was brought to life because I had transitioned in my career from being a full-time wedding photographer to, and that was, you know, like 2015 is right, was right when things started to change, to co-founding the Rising Tide Society, to recognizing that I essentially was moving into a new season of life. You know, prior to that, I had built my brand around being a photographer, but as Rising Tide continued to grow, and I then therefore took fewer and fewer 
photography projects and weddings, I, I witnessed sort of this shift happening in the larger picture of, of my career and, and in the service that I was offering. And so that brand needed to help me transition from being a photographer into being a community builder and, you know, kind of navigate that early stage of rising tide. And there were a bunch of question marks. I think it's important to acknowledge that in that season, it wasn't something where I said, okay, I'm trading X to become Y. Mm -hmm. It was, I'm leaving X behind. And I don't even quite understand what Y is going to look like yet, but Mm -hmm. I know that I can't move forward into uncovering the person and the business that I'm becoming with the brand that got me to where I am today. There was a very clear kind of moment where I needed to move on from being seen as the photographer into this new, you know, question mark, something else. And so I look back to 2016 and that was sort of a, you know, transitional season, a transitional Mm -hmm. brand shift. I almost now having this new brand coming out, see it as being the stepping stone to this Mm -hmm. brand, but perhaps a lot of folks when they look back on brands that they've had can see those stepping stones Mm -hmm. um, that they may not even realize at the time. Maybe five years from now, Abby, we're having this conversation again and I'm going, remember the brand I launched in 2023? It was a (laughs) stepping stone to where I am today. But very much so there was a need. There was a clear need because the foundation of what I was offering had changed and the people I was serving had changed. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the Rising Tide Society is, can you give us a brief how that came to be and and, and where it was going in 2016? Absolutely. So we can rewind to early 2015 when I was the full-time wedding photographer. I was doing um, – you know, I think just under 40 weddings a year. I had built this really successful business in Annapolis, Maryland, but you had a wedding blog that you guys ran. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There was Bayside Bride that I co-founded with my friend Krista. And so there were a lot of businesses happening, but the kind of too long don't read on that is I served couples, right? Mm -hmm. I was a photographer serving couples and I had built this successful business doing that. And then 2015 started to move forward into the early spring, and I started to have conversations with my friend Krista and her husband, Davey, and my husband was a part of it too, where, you know, frankly, we realized just how lonely we had become in running these businesses. And although the business was successful, our well-being was not mirroring the financial success that the business had. So business is taking off, but we're struggling with Um, that isolation, that loneliness, and that cutthroat competition that we felt like was so pervasive in the industry at that time. And so Rising Tide Society was a community that we co-founded to help confront some of that isolation, that loneliness, and that cutthroat competition that we had experienced to try to make the industry a little bit better for other independent business owners and other creatives that, uh, you know, worked alongside us. And so Mm -hmm. it started as just a meetup in Annapolis, and then it grew and grew and grew to hundreds of meetups around the United States and uh, globally, spread globally where business owners could gather for free. The groups were led by volunteer leaders and they would share their knowledge with one another, share you know, the highs and the lows of running that business and the foundational value that we all shared mm-hmm. and do share today is community over competition. So that's sort of the quick synopsis on Rising Tide, but it took off, right? It went yeah. from being that one meetup to in 2016, you know, I think we were looking at about 100 chapters at that point. Um, And it had very quickly become my full-time job, right? Never was the intention when we launched it, but it very, very quickly became my full-time job and photography in that season took a backseat. I remember there was that one week that we had all gone to the beach and you were running a challenge. I don't remember exactly what the challenge was, but like when I knew things were changing, 
was when you guys did like hashtag mugshot Monday or something. And then all of a sudden it went viral and all of these like bodybuilders started posting and were like, what just happened? Yeah, it was wild. There was a lot of uh, very unforeseen virality that happened in those early months. Some (laughs) great, some uh, unexpected. You know? Yeah. Like so, okay. Builders. When when we shot in May of 2015, when you were getting your work, because because it started with you and Jen working on the website, correct? And you both were like, "We should have photos taken," and we'll get to that in a second. But like, were you officially a HoneyBook employee at that point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um. So, what did your thought process look like when you reached out to me? Uh, because you. We've talked about this. I've I've mentioned this several times in the podcast. You were my very first branding client. You were the one who, I mean, it's really like your fault that I ended up where I am right now. <laughs> and I won't apologize for it. No, you should. So you much should better not. with Abby killing it in brand photo. <laughs> but yes, yes. But so, what made you decide to do a brand shoot instead of what so many of us were doing at the time of like just yeah. pulling from all of those photos of yourself that you would accrued throughout the years because people weren't doing brand photography. They weren't really doing this even just six years ago. Like we usually swapped headshots with another photographer friend or did a quick like one hour photo for a few page, few photos for your, for your about page. Like what made you decide to do a full day brand shoot? Yeah, very simply, I needed to tell the story of who I was becoming and the story of where I was going with my business. And I recognize, and I think a lot of business owners do, you know, story can be told in a lot of ways. You can tell a story through written word. You can tell a story through video. But you also can and should tell a story through photography. And I, as I was going through the the website design and we were doing such a great job telling the story, you know, with Jen's design and with the language on the site, it became very apparent to me that I didn't have a cohesive visual identity Mm-hmm. that also shifted, you know, the imagery that I had in the past that showed me as the wedding photographer. And I don't know that we want to get into the minutia of it, but even down to how you're posing, how you're looking at the camera, how you're holding your body positioning, things needed to change in that storytelling in order for me to convey this thought leadership role that I was starting to step into. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, we had known each other for a really long time, but I had always loved and admired your style of photography and the fact that, you know, you weren't just uh, someone that approached things from a perspective of aesthetics, but you also had such a strategic mind behind behind how you approached every shoot that you took on. And so I knew, hey, if I can bring Abby on board and convey what I need to accomplish here, you were going to bring both like the brain and the creativity to the table to help us create something really unique. And you did. And it was not only kind of, it sounds like a door opening for you in your mind of going, wow, wait, I like this world and I'm good at it and I could see a path forward here. But for me as well to see like, okay, there is such importance to being able to tell a story photographically in a cohesive way. And, you know, it was especially now, not to fast forward too quickly, but going into this new season, recognizing that same need of saying, you know, I've had a lot of piecemeal photography done over the years in the chaos of things changing. But this is that pivotal moment where I, yet again, am kind of going through this rebrand and this this redefining of who I am. And so, you know, I brought the best back to the, <laughs> to the table so that we could do it once more yeah. and do it differently with all the learnings that both oh, of us have had. So. so different. I can't wait for everyone to see the results because it was yeah. so different. Yeah. Um, so Okay. So what did your planning process look like for that first shoot? Because we had 
um, Caitlin in yep. for um, – she's the Mama Notes now, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So yes. Caitlin of the Mama Notes was there because at the time she was she was a wedding planner and she has a great eye for styling. And so you brought her in to help style flat lays. You had a hair and makeup artist on set. You brought a billion outfit ideas and we just kind of had Caitlin tell you what to wear next. But aside from sourcing your vendors, what other kind of planning went into it to make sure that you were telling the same story that you and Jen were that, – that your your photos told the same story that your website did? It's a great question. I, first, I'll preface by saying I think we did a heck of a lot more strategy this oh, yeah. time. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't want to be like, well, we didn't do that much because I don't think it gives credit to the strategy that was put in at the time. At the time, I felt like, wow, this is – perhaps even overkill because I, we thought through every little thing from the colors, the mug that I was holding. to. So I, I would say it was kind of, again, zooming out at first and thinking holistically about, you know, what is the story that we're telling? Okay, this is, you know, Natalie is a creative. She is community-centered. She, and I know I feel weird talking about myself in the third person, but I'm trying to help all of y'all listening to imagine this being <laughs> you for a second. She, you know, is shifting from being a photographer to being a community leader. She's not really sure where things are going. She's not selling anything in particular, which has mm-hmm. always been the hardest thing that I've struggled with because I don't, for folks who don't know, you know, I'm not out here selling courses or, you know, launching anything um, in like a very traditional sense. I obviously have books that I've written. Um, and I am an advocate, obviously, for HoneyBook. So in that respect, yes, I have something to sell. But it's not really as clear cut as perhaps it is for other brands. It can say, I sell X service. I sell X product. I'm kind of like, I sell a vision of mm-hmm. a better world. And so yeah. it's a little bit more nebulous. And I think strategically, we did our best to kind of capture that, to capture that in, you know, showing um, – my, my like myself actually in the imagery, but also having images that we could use, um, you know, throughout the site like backdrops or mm-hmm. um, we could use on social media graphics, things like that. Which again, mm-hmm. at the time we're talking 2016, and this was a big learning this time around as well. The the visual needs were just different. Like yeah. I don't. Well, I so don't, much of it was Instagram driven. We're like, what's going to perform well? On, what's going to be cute? What's going to yep. be pinned? All and they were single photo, single photo Instagram driven. Because remember, <laughs> when we say Instagram driven, some of you're there like, was no what's carousel. different? Yeah. No carousel, no short form video. I don't even know. I think mean, no stories were a thing. Stories were a thing yes. because yep. I remember Snapchat at that point was kind of having a moment. Still, for some, is having a moment. Um, <laughs> Not for me. But, yeah, not for me either. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, we, we were really thinking like, what is that single snapshot? Like, what is that one image that I can post on Instagram? And I remember mm-hmm. it was like me holding a laptop, right? With me a pink blazer. X, with a pink blazer. Yeah, that one still is pinned all the time. I yep. still get like notifications that it's driving traffic <laughs> to Pinterest. It's just wild. Um, and my blog, which is just wild. But yeah, it was very, I would say a little bit more static. But yeah, strategy just in regards to like, how does this ladder up? Colors. Mm-hmm overall tone. Mm-hmm. Um, Which know. it was still – like it was that softer – because you specifically yes. asked me, yes. don't like, will you shoot it and will you shoot it on film? Yes. And I hadn't transitioned to shooting film at weddings, but I had been shooting it personally for years. And I was like, I'm totally happy to do that. I love shooting film. But like that's such a specific request. Yes. And I think it was because coming from the wedding industry and honestly with so many vendors in the Rising Tide Society being in the wedding industry that you were still – I don't know that it was a conscious thought that you could spell out in quite so many words, but that that desire to connect visually with a style that so many of them resonated with was part of the strategy. 100%. And actually, I do think consciously that was a huge part of it. I did understand that. I also, as we were going into kind of taking the photographs, 
you know, I, I wanted something that was a little bit more organic. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say the word soft, but a little bit more gentle, perhaps, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, in in how it felt, including the website. And that's, again, like the color palette. We were talking mm-hmm. light blues and navy navy with like a subtlety of a gray undertone and light pink. So we were going like gentle, soft, and nurturing because, again, community builder. That was very yep. much kind of the positioning that I am. And goodness, how that has, like, <laughs> that has changed from – then to now, you know, and for folks who haven't seen anything yet or, you know, are like kind of going, huh, what do you mean? Um, a huge shift because, again, who I've become and who I'm becoming has changed um, well, and a your lot vo- from soft to, yeah, my voice. And, your voice yeah. has changed. Also, you're like you – were, you were always confident in what you offered, but I think the social proof of other people saying like we want more of this like stake in the ground, like I stand for small businesses, I'm a mama bear for entrepreneurs, has encouraged that confidence to like drive the stake even further into the ground. And there's no apology there needed. Whereas I feel like before, because you were treading a new path and as a thought leader, as a young female thought leader with a background in weddings, if you had come blazing out the gate, I think it would have been shut down because people didn't know what to expect, but we taught them to expect this unapologetic opinion or or no, not even opinions, facts that you state and, and the advocacy that you do for small business owners that people have said, we want more of that. We want to embrace that. And that's given the brand more leeway to be unapologetic in the terms of a visual presence. I love the word unapologetic. And I think that's something I've been working towards both personally and professionally over time in regards to conveying, you know, my values and what I want to fight for. And and you have to remember too, you know, we're talking a six-year evolution here between when we were launching that brand. So yes to all of that kind of thought that went into, you know, how do I convey who I am and meet my audience where they're at, the 50-50, like meet me halfway. And so mm-hmm. very much that was that stepping stone. You you fast forward six years and a lot's happened in those six years. You know, I've gone through brain surgery. I've recovered from it. I have I've, I'm a mom now. You know, and have gone through some struggle in um, reaching you know to where I am today in that point too. And I've shared that and walked through that with my community. I've also though become more fierce about protecting and advocating for independent business owners. And yes, I don't apologize for it. I won't apologize for it. I intend to actually become even more bold in my advocacy for business owners. Do not be surprised if I am walking down to DC and having or marching perhaps and having <laughs> conversations about, you know, the lack of infrastructure and support for the change of the workforce, which is happening right in front of our eyes. More business applications were filed last year than any other year on record, according to the um, census. Do we know Bureau. the numbers for twenty twenty two? I can grab them for you. I mean, the reality is it was 20% higher than um, the year prior, which was already a record. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, it's quiet quitting. Oh, it's, you know, the recession. But the reality is that this trend has been happening year over year. So last year uh, in 20, well, well, I'll say last year, they haven't released the 2022 stats. So we'll go okay. with 2021 for right now. But 2021 was um, 5.39 million new business applications, which was up from the year prior. That was 4.38, up from the year prior, which was 3.51 million applications. So we've seen this rapid growth, this rapid expansion. And in 2022, 46% of millennials freelanced right? 43% of Gen Z freelanced. And why this is relevant is because we are seeing a shift in the way that people work, whether they are full-time business owners or 
They are dabbling in the side hustle game. They are exploring their talents beyond the W-2 work that has, you know, in the past been the traditional route forward for a lot of people. And there isn't support. There isn't infrastructure to aid in this rapidly shifting you know, economic situation. And when I say infrastructure, I'm talking about things, yes, like healthcare, but also retirement, right? Um, I'm talking about mm-hmm. things like parental leave. I'm talking about things like access to mental wellness and anything you would get from an HR department in a great company, especially things like support when it comes to, you know, navigating different difficult situations. When you run your own business, you don't have that support inherent. You have to go to your colleagues, aka other business owners, and say, hey, I'm dealing with a really difficult client. Hey, I had this really uncomfortable situation happen on site. Hey, I had XYZ unfold and have that support that you would hopefully otherwise have from you know, the infrastructure that you get at a full-time job if that is your career. You can go to your HR and say, hey, this guy keeps making comments you know, mm-hmm. and it's not appropriate. And they're going to give you access to resources to help navigate that or step in if needed. You don't have those things when you work mm-hmm. by yourself. So I say all of that to say, you know, as I move forward in my career approaching this new brand, this 2023 brand, I'm not going to apologize for fiercely demanding more for this community. I'm not going to apologize in acknowledging that the future of work is independent and we have yet to rise to the occasion to give these individuals what they need to thrive, what they need to feel fulfilled and also earn a living for their family and create a legacy that they can leave behind. So my hope is that through both the imagery that we've captured through the website that I am creating and through a bunch of really, really, really bold and uh, terrifying launches that I have in the next couple of weeks and months beyond the website, that I can help achieve that goal and that I can help do it alongside our community and ultimately you know, listen to what the needs are and go out and fight for them. Because look, business owners are busy building their business. I'm in a really unique position where I've moved from being the service provider into this position where I am able to fight while they grow and scale and and put food on the table, I have the bandwidth and the capacity to take their needs, to raise them, and to bring resources back, right? Um, and I'm I'm excited to do it. Like I'm ready and excited to do it. So that's kind of the the new chapter that's unfolding, and that called for a huge shift in how I've been positioning my brand. And that right there is why Natalie Frank is one of my favorite humans on earth. That like. I mean, just, yes, all of that. I'm sitting here like huge smile on my face. I love listening to you talk about this because it fires me up. You have this contagious enthusiasm and joie de vivre that like isn't the kind – you know how they talk about um, con- contagious emotions, right? That that anger is one of them. It's one of the things that makes people go viral is when they're outraged about something. You have the ability to ignite the same kind of passion in people but in such a beautiful, positive way that leaves them feeling – excited about what's possible, not just angry about what's happened. Um, oh, if you guys are not already following Natalie, just pause this right now and go do that because there's a lot more of this on all of her channels. Um, okay. So we understand now more of what it is that you're fighting for. So when we fast forward to to where we were when we were planning your second shoot for this past fall in uh, October 2022, Obviously, things changed a lot. You were completely out of the wedding industry. You guys have two kids now, like you mentioned. You're a full-time HoneyBook employee. Remind me, what is your title with HoneyBook? I'm the chief evangelist at HoneyBook. So my job is to do exactly what we're talking about. I don't sell the product, but I am selling the vision. Okay. You know, selling something greater than our product, selling sort of this better world that ultimately my job is to go out and make happen. So I'm casting it 
And then I'm saying, great, now I got to do the work. I got to go figure out how to make it so that more people can start small businesses. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so back in your, your first book, Built to Belong, came out in August of 2021, correct? Yes. Okay, so what made you decide? Obviously, there was a lot of change that was coming. What was the? Was there any kind of catalyst or like moment that you realized, "Ooh, I actually need to refresh the visuals, not just like patchwork with new photos, but actually do a complete overhaul." Yeah. So, Built to Belong came out, and you know, we had to kind of incorporate elements from the book brand into my brand in order to bring it to market. And for folks who aren't totally familiar. Um, authors don't have, not all, I shouldn't say, some authors might, but the majority of authors don't have complete say even in how the book cover looks, the book brand evolves. Um, there's a lot on the publishing side that's taken into account. I was very, very fortunate in my contract to get final sign-off on the cover, um, which I I love Mwah, my agents for ensuring that's in there. But regardless, this brand that the book was bringing to market is different and was different from my existing brand at the time. They were almost like two very, very different visual mm-hmm. aesthetics. So as we were going to Market Built to Belong and I was starting to kind of lean into different colors and different texts and fonts and um, even just a different, uh, again, like evolution of my voice, I think I realized, wow, I'm much further from where I was in 2016 than I perhaps realized. Um, <laughs> I've, I've moved so far, which by the way, friends, for a brand to last you six years, like this is a testament to Jen Olmstead and to Tonic mm. and to Abby. The fact that I could get six years out with so much change, I just want to like applaud everybody for a second because I remember early days, I'd be changing my brand every two to three years. I felt at least the need to do that every two to three years. So I want to just acknowledge like the brand we did, the brand work we did really paid off, which is why I believe investing in phenomenal design, investing in phenomenal brand photography, investing, like you do get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, I was a little kind of like, whoo, at the time, you know, in making that big of an investment back in 2016, I have never regretted it for a second. I've only wished I would have even done more. Like it's, <laughs> it's it pays off. And so I'm not just saying that because Abby's sitting across from me, the six years are proof of that. So launching Built to Belong, I was like, okay, look, I do need a huge shift. I am, you know, moving into a new season. I have kind of gone too far from where I began and it is time to really start reevaluating that. So that was August. Now, I had a baby a month later and I had maternity leave and a lot of life happening. So there was a need to sort of say, okay, I'm going to give myself – and I'm a big believer in like honor your needs. So give myself time to recover and to get used to being a parent of two, which obviously, you know, it's different. It's very yeah. different when you've got two <laughs> running around. So become used to that. And um, I'm still not sure I'm used to that as a side note, but trying and uh, yeah. navigating it. And then as we rolled into the summer, you know, I I think, um, you know, I started to realize, okay, we're coming up on Harlow's first birthday, my book first birthday. You know, I really have to take take charge of this brand and begin work, the, the hard work of doing it again. Because one thing I will say, friends, anyone who's done a true – Rebrand knows, you know, what people see, it's like an iceberg, right? So people see the top 20% of your, of the brand work. They see maybe a logo, a website, and photography, but the majority of that work actually happens underneath the surface. It's really, you know, reanalyzing your audience, the needs that they have, how you're meeting those needs, um, you know, where they're spending their time, and that's changed a lot mm-hmm. uh, since 2016. Um Things like that. So, you know, I would say over the summer, I started doing some of that internal work, reaching out to you kind of later on. I think it was like September maybe or August. I can't quite pin it, but we worked fast. We got a date yeah. in October yeah. um, and and set that, that first shoot date to bring it to life. Yeah. Going back to something that you said about 
you 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 felt like you were changing your your brand every two to three years. Like yeah, that is something that talked about on the podcast before that the creative industry tends to do. We look at branding as this like magic pill. Like Correct. something's not working. I don't know what it is. So I guess I'll rebrand. Like I'll I'll just what so, Tonic's having a sale. I'll go buy a new website template and that will fix everything. You did Correct. not do that as as evidenced by the fact that your website that Jen designed you lasted for six years. You have been extraordinarily intentional with the redesign of your visual brand, both in 2016 and now. Um, And I want people to understand that you landed on the specific color palette and typography and your logo and the layout and everything else that goes into a, a brand visuals that you landed on those with purpose. It wasn't the result of boredom or just slapping a new coat of paint on your website to freshen things up. You have thought and you have thought hard about everything that's gone into this rebrand and that has made a huge difference in how intentional we can then be with your brand photographs. It's not just a cute collection of photographs of your face, which I felt like I did a lot of that at your 2016 shoot. There was purpose and there was strategy, but it was also what's going to perform well on Instagram. Correct. Um, But that because of the level of intention and the thought and the care that you've taken in crafting the vision for this brand, that 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 results in photographs that go to work to further the message that you are trying to spread around the world. So – from you know the difference between those two brands, how had your message? We've talked about how it's sharpened, how it's become more bold. Is there any other way that you feel like your message has changed from then to now? Yeah, I mean, I think I've become much more clear on my core values. Yes, I, yes, I, yes, yes. Yeah, and that was a big shift for me. I'm still, to be honest, I'm still nailing down the mission statement. You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting there, but I'm still nailing that down. But the one thing that was uh, very, very clear is I became much more aligned around my core values. And with that, friends, anyone listening to this, when you become more clear on your core values, you also become more comfortable with people not liking your brand. <laughs> when And I say that as someone who has been a struggling people pleaser my entire life. I've been, One of those big, bold announcements coming up is specifically about that subject. So stay tuned. But, you know, you can't truly make an impact on this world if you are first asking yourself, what are other people going to think instead of what is the impact that only I can make? And in those six years between 2016 and today, that became more and more clear. And I became stronger and more deeply rooted in knowing that I wanted to be an advocate for this very specific group of people in understanding their needs and not just from the bird's eye view, but I've walked the walk. Like I've driven across this country now three times, two, three times. I mean, literally, I have, I I remember 2019 from January until we had to fly home because this thing called coronavirus was starting to be discussed in San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. At the time I drove um, from Maryland all the way down to the tip of Florida, all the way around, all the way across the United States and back up the coast of California. And I hugged, it's crazy to say this now with, you know, the past couple of years, but I hugged almost 2000 people. And I talked and they were all business owners and I talked to them and I looked in their eyes and I asked them what was keeping them up at night. I genuinely have spent the last six years trying to understand what is it that this community needs and not just, you know, in order to put that food on the table, but in order to look back in 50 years and be so proud of what they've accomplished and to see their children look at them and be so excited about the future that those kids have been able, you know, to have because Mm -hmm. we've improved the way that things are. Because running a business doesn't look like it did in 2023, it's going to be better. It's going to be easier. There's going to be more infrastructure. So I say all that to say, you know, this brand has become more aligned with my core values and therefore has become more bold. 
It has become more decisive. Um, it has become, uh, you know, less even, and I'm actually about to update some copy, but less of a cheerleader and more of a champion. And there is a difference. And I'm starting to make that shift like right now. Uh, I, you know, went from feeling very much like when I would say, oh, what do you do? I'd say, oh, I, I'm a community builder to today clarity around, well, it's not just community that I build, but it's for independent businesses. And so if you ask me today, okay, what do you do? I'd say I'm a mama bear for independent business, right? I, I'm an advocate for anyone who sets out to build a life of passion and purpose, to turn their talents into profit, I am here to fight for you. And so the alignment of core values strengthened, I think, where the brand stood. But then it also revealed to me things like that neutral, soft, beautiful color palette that I had had for six years was pushing me further from a place where my message was able to stand out in the noise. Mm. I needed something a little bit more bold. I needed something that caught your attention. I almost needed something that maybe made you a little uncomfortable, but in an energetic way, right? Mm-hmm. Like I needed a brand where you saw it and you went, whew, okay, I that's different. Like I haven't yeah. – that's – you know, and and I I felt that even in going through this, this process, you know, with my amazing designer, Erin, from The Happy Brand, there are parts of my brand that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> there are parts of my brand that are so bold. I was telling her this and like – Whew, that logo, man. Like there are parts of different nuance where I'm like, this, this motif, this is strong. Yeah. And you know, she'll look at me, she goes, Yeah. And and I'm so like, are you. And I gotta remember that I am too, you know? And so I gotta kind of kick imposter syndrome's butt and like keep it, keep it at bay at times with this. But again, that's that's I think evidence of if you're feeling that with your own brand and you're feeling like, wow, this brand, because again, here's a mistake I see people making. I'm so curious, but I know I, not that I made it back then, but I think I realized as the aesthetics of the world shifted that I was becoming more and more, um, actually like more and more, um, I don't know, it's not on trend, but (sighs) my brand didn't really feel differentiated from anything else out there. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful but so was everybody else's. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, X, Y, Z, and so was everybody else's. And I, I started to feel like I had kind of moved into a space of mediocrity and monotony instead of a space of carving out a little corner of the world that was uniquely my own. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that happened in 2016, but it was something that by the point we got to in 2022, 2023, I realized like, oh, I haven't made any changes and I need to because mm-hmm. I'm no longer, you know, operating from a place of being in that alignment with the values, being bold as I should. I can't make the impact I want to make carrying forward this brand that served me well for six years. It's time to make right. these shifts. And well, it's uh, like when with photographers, when you talk about when is it time to up gear, upgrade your gear when yes. your when your existing gear is holding you back. Like, don't just buy the next mirrorless camera because it's the next thing to buy, but buy it Correct. because whatever gear you're working with is no longer able to keep up with what you need it to do. You got it. You got it. It's that forward thinking of like, this can't help me to move into the person I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. And if actually, sometimes I think we hold on to the comfortable a little too long and it keeps us Mm-hmm. kind of stuck. And perhaps that, you know, I look at the very tail end and I'm like, I think I clung a little bit at the end there because <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to stay in the comfort zone. But um, sometimes you know it's time. And yeah. I think for me, it just became kind of glaringly apparent yeah. that it was time. And, and I hope like listeners, you guys are hearing like 
we, we talked back in uh, season one, episode five about branding 101 and, and that like it starts with the inputs and that mm. the brand, like the visual brand, what you see on the outside is the outputs. Like Natalie was just saying the tip of the iceberg, that there's so much that happens that drives the visuals. It's not just what color palette do I like, what color choices are most frequent in my closet, but like that those the, – the, the color choices you guys will see in Natalie's website – are a direct reflection of what's beneath the surface. It wasn't. It, it, it wasn't a a hap, like a coincidence that they chose the colors and the typefaces that they did. It wasn't just what's aesthetically pleasing, but what what is the outward expression of the inward change that's taken place in Natalie over the last several years? It's all been very intentional, very purposeful. Hundred um, percent. Okay, so talking about the photography side of things, so. <clears throat> When the planning process this time around was much more in depth, obviously your brand had matured a lot. My process had matured a lot. A lot. Um, and we'd realized there was a need for the overhaul of the visual. So what was your first step when it came to make making that change? Okay. So first step in this time, this, this time around, <laughs> I actually went to Abby first. So yeah. um, which again, I think I, I have a lot of learnings on this one. I almost probably should have <laughs> – Started with design again, but as you can tell, I, my loyalty and love for Abby is, you know, there. So I'm like, Abby, I need to do this. Yeah. And so um, I some learnings there. I think I, in an ideal world, if you're doing this process, I would say work in tandem with your designer and your brand photographer and maybe be at least far enough in your design process that you understand a wireframe of your website or a wireframe of the landing mm -hmm. pages that you have. And that kind of, I, I, that's my one, my like truly looking back, my one mistake Maybe well, maybe there were others, but to be fair, we well, on your initial sales call, we I had asked you because one of my Correct. standard questions is, is this accompanying a website overhaul or refresh? Correct. And you said, you know what, maybe it should. Uh -huh. I'll reach out to a yes. graphic designer, and like that, we were on a short enough time frame with the brand photography that the the graphic design work hadn't had a chance to get started yet. So we did the best that we could, but then we ended up. You guys will see this. We ended up shooting another like again in December once you had gotten started working with Erin um to make to like plug some of those holes that arose after you like got knee deep into the into the graphic design so okay so you started with photography and then you yep. met Erin at Spark right yes yes Spark in November conference. so I yeah sort of we had done our shoot already and mm -hmm. then I met with Erin and we started to dig deeper into, you know, the strategy that we had already been working on that I had already kind of done some of that foundational ground laying for. Um, and the good news is all of that paid off because I know it made Erin's job a lot easier and she was then able to go, maybe I, maybe, you know, together we dug, let's say 10 miles deep, then Erin was able to dig another five to get us to 15 miles deep um, in exploring that brand and the needs there. And so it, with me in meeting with Erin, we kind of began to build out the wireframe for the site and the new visuals. Uh, that that I would need and going down that again that design process logo and you know different types of uh, motifs colors um, visual language just like mm -hmm. the general bones of a brand mm -hmm. and as we started to move into bringing that to a more visual forefront that is when we realized oh you know I think for the website we're going to need a certain image here or a certain image there or a certain thing that. Again, in that first shoot, we didn't know. We didn't have that that mm -hmm. website sketched out. So yes, then we doubled back and did a second shoot. Um, what I will say, you know, some things in this particular brand photography kind of space that I really loved and appreciated. One was your recommendation of having 
uh, Catherine, a stylist, be a Mm -hmm. part especially of that first shoot. If anyone's on the fence about that, I just want to affirm for you, it is an absolute game changer to have someone that while your photographer is doing what they do best, having someone who's job, what they do best is style aesthetics of clothing and even how to ensure you feel confident, you look your best. Mm -hmm. Because look, like I said, I have had two babies and I was a year out postpartum and my body is very different from the body even a year ago. And so to have Catherine to help not only on the like mental psychological support side of, you know, affirming and which we should all do for one another. We <laughs> all have our own like, you know, things about our bodies. She was so affirming and so about finding clothes, you know, that fit me and that I loved. And that that made me feel confident, right? But also in those really quick moments, we're in between, a, you know, a scene and another scene. And Abby had a really hard task ahead of her with how much quantity she needed to capture in such a short amount of time. I really put a lot on her. Uh, And so again, and I'm sure a lot of other of your other clients do too, but having Catherine there to be able to be like, okay, next outfit is XYZ and helping me get it on. And okay, never mind. Actually, we got to flip that blazer. It's not giving what we need. And and then while we're shooting, she was in the next room like styling like bookcases. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was that's always something I I advocate for when it's possible because having the on because Catherine worked with, you worked with Catherine to choose outfits ahead of time correct and then she was there for onset styling and like you get more from your oh photographer gosh. when you have an onset stylist because then I'm not having to make outfit choices which preserves mm-hmm. my decision making power for the 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 actual like okay how am I going to compose this shot what are we trying to say here hundred percent yeah um, okay so we had okay so in October we had. Full day shoot with your stylist, um, and we folk that the focus of that shoot was just a general up leveling because over the last six years, as you had needs arise, you worked with Olivia, right? Yes. She was local in Annapolis. So Olivia is another – what is her photographer business name? Olivia Reed. Olivia Reed Photo. She's wonderful. Yes. She moved to Colorado. So if you know okay. anyone in Colorado getting married, friends, or you are in Colorado and want a new uh, biz bestie, Olivia Reed. Liv is, Liv is wonderful. Yes. But she, she had just moved – um, and she was my go-to for those in between, right? Yes. Like those, like uh, patchworks, like like yes, when you had yes. a need arise, like you could call her and she would be available to shoot within a short time frame. She's so yeah, she's so talented, and we lived ten minutes apart. So yeah. I don't know whether she loved it as much as I did, but I would, <laughs> I would text her and be like, "Hey, the foliage, you down?" And she'd be like, "I'm down," you know, like that kind of. Uh, not a lot of strategy. It was her okay. and I friends like just running around town. It was consistent town. though. It was consistent. Yes. And she yeah. took your author photo, right? For Built she to Belong? She did. For Built yeah. to Belong, yeah. She's yeah. She really is. She's so talented. So yeah. we, were ta- we were taking that, which was it, – it was very like fly by the seat of your pants and there was consistency yes. in the sense that it was Olivia and the style Correct. was consistent, but the strategy throughout was – uh, it was fly by the seat of your pants, which is okay. Yes. It worked for as long as it worked for. And then when you outgrew it, it was time to to up-level to a more cohesive collection of purposeful, strategy-driven images. And that's what we came together to do in October. And so during that shoot, we showcased your role as a community leader, as a thought leader, a voice for small business owners. Um captured a plethora of headshot options because one of the things you had specifically mentioned was needing like a more mature headshot option for like media features. Um, And then we also got uh, captured some in like in the office photographs that you could flex as you needed. Um, And there was a lot more planning that went into that second shoot. We had the initial discovery call. We had your strategy call. We had a plan and a shot list for the entire day. So 
walk me through how did you feel walking into that shoot as opposed to the first one that we did? Whew. I mean, I think I felt very prepared. I felt like we had such a dialed-in vision. The fact that we did even outfits beforehand, the fact mm-hmm. that – like you showed up with a binder. Like we we really <laughs> walked in – I know. Is that a thing? We, yes. Abby, <laughs> Abby's binder, y'all, it is real. I have seen it. It exists. Um, it, you walked in with a binder. So we had kind of a very clear vision, I would yeah. say, and down to you know the dialed-in minutiae of what I'm going to wear and – you know, we picked locations with intention. We rented a uh, peer space that was just like phenomenal. Perfect. Absolutely. Oh, perfect. so good. And then you had this amazing studio you recommended in Georgetown that was great. Uh, and it just, we had a vision and we went in to execute on something that we had already scoped. It mm-hmm. wasn't, let's just see what happens when we get there and we'll right. have a stylist on the ground to just make it pretty. Which right. served us in 2016. And again, it was also the aesthetic of 2016, which was just yeah. pretty Instagram photos. This yeah. very much was we're telling a story and we understand how it's going to go from this desk here to these stairs here to that chair there to the podcast mic upstairs to like we had a very cohesive roadmap that Abby mm-hmm. built and that which Catherine was, assisted on. Which yeah. was all based on where it was you were trying that you're taking the brand. That the brand was already headed, that we were putting visuals to. Um, so, like, I mean, all of, like from the locations that you sent me, proofing those to make sure that that they were on like in line with what it was that we were trying to say. Yeah. Um, all of it was just intention, intention, intention. So now, as you are launching the new site and the rebrand, how are you feeling about how everything's coming together? I'm excited. You know, I think it's it's the feeling that you get. Actually, you know what it reminds me of? It's the feeling I felt on Christmas morning as a kid, which is sort of cliche, (laughs) but it's that newness and that excitement and having new tools as an adult, toys as a child to play with. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, this rebrand very much is giving me new tools in order to make the impact that I want to make, a new website where I'm excited, you know, to blog again. And I was talking Mm -hmm. to Abby before this interview, like, I am going to be cranking out content like you've never seen in 2023. And I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. I, you know, have some big projects that I'm launching and this is kind of, again, setting that foundation so that I can go forward and do things I've never done before as a business owner. I'm eager. I'm excited. I'm feeling energized. And I'm also feeling an immense amount of gratitude. You know, one thing I don't think enough people talk about in going through a rebrand is one that it can be really uncomfortable. Like I I actually think people think, oh, it's just fun and joyous and digging into things, if you're doing it right and you're really being introspective and you're really doing the work, including the work of analyzing like your gaps and where you failed in the past, where you know the misconceptions people have about you, those sorts of uncomfortable realities, we've done a lot of that work behind the scenes to really help position this new brand to be as impactful and to serve people in the way that I hope it does. And so I'm excited for that. But I'm also, um, you know, I think grateful, like I said, and grateful because I can look and see the stepping stones to get here. I can be grateful for the brand that carried me to this point. I'm very, very grateful for everyone's hard work behind the scenes. Something else I don't think a lot of folks realize is when they see someone launch a website, it's like, oh, so-and-so's rebrand, so-and-so's rebrand, so-and-so's rebrand, not realizing that that one person probably has a team you know, of multiple people behind the scenes that made that rebrand happen. And so for me, it's like an immense amount of gratitude with this coming to life because there have been people working so hard without getting the applause and the credit for months, like making this kind of come to life that my hope is I can celebrate as well, um, that this is our win and our success. And so 
a lot of emotion heading into it and uh, mostly excitement though. Like it's the Christmas morning feeling of like, what? You know, this is here. We're doing it. And and you it's know, so um, good. It's, it's so it is good. good. It is. I'm so proud of it. Are there any resources that you would recommend for – you mentioned like the the digging deep. Like was that something that Aaron – well, you said it started this past summer, like summer 2022 before you started working with me, before you started working with Aaron. Were there any resources that assisted you with that digging deep, with providing you with questions you needed to ask yourself or reflections that needed to be made? Yeah. So one thing that's been a really unique um, part of my journey that aided and then the next step, which was Aaron and you, both of you had really intentional questions in your questionnaire process that I think were supportive in building that structure. But prior to that, you know, I, I have been working at HoneyBook now for se- six, seven years, I think. Mm-hmm. Seven? Oh, gosh. A long time. A very yeah. long time I've been working <laughs> at HoneyBook. And the reason I bring that up is because I've also had the ability to see branding from a different perspective, to see branding from the startup lens, and to see branding as well from the thousands of designers that use our platform. And so I've also had six years of observing brand in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that, I think for me, was very informative and gave me a lot of the courage, I think, to step outside of those comfort zones and those barriers that I had put up around like what I'm supposed to look like and be and sound like on the internet mm-hmm. to see, wow, there's a great big world out there. And um, there's so much opportunity for each of us to bring our unique voice to the table. And doing that really matters when it comes to brand. It really matters. And so um, – I say all of that to say I went into this, I think, with with new eyes and then went through this process both with you and with Erin. And Erin's was very deep. I will say, you know, I hired her because I loved her design and mm-hmm. I had worked with her on a t-shirt collection. I did a lot of t-shirts last oh, year. Oh, she did her, one of yours? She designed the t-shirt that I used to raise money for the Cade Foundation for um, helping to fund uh, couples uh, struggling with infertility and helping them on their journeys. And so her and I worked on that t-shirt together. Um, Good things are on the way. And I wore that going through IVF with Harlow. And so I had a soft spot already for her design and her heart and her, her, just her values. Like she's a wonderful human being. And so um, I knew I wanted to work with her from a design perspective, but goodness gracious, when we got into the actual process, I told her, I'm like, you're an agency. Like I really did. I was like, you're running this like an agency. You mm. are digging so deep into this. Like you want data. Like I went to HoneyBook and I said, hey, do we have any data on XYZ and XYZ? Because Aaron wants to look at the data to inform how we're positioning something in the brand. I mean, I it was such a deep, thorough, thought through process. And like, how can I, when I share a piece of content, how can I really do something with it? If I want to change the way things are, I can't, you know, blend into the background. I can't mm-hmm. be comfortable. I have to take a stand and I have to move forward and, and, and you know, make a change. And so Erin was so helpful in helping me to do that. And I um, remember the slide deck you sent me before our, our call with her, before the December shoot. And I was like, oh, yes. dang, like yes. this is way more in depth. Normally I get like a Pinterest board, maybe like a simplified questionnaire. And hers was oh. like a 20, 20 slide slide deck for for the first one she sent me. And then she sent me another slide deck for her vision for the the supplemental photos that we were going to shoot. And I was ex- I just incredibly impressed. We have three – like I have three audience personas. Yes. Three. And all three – are super built out. Like when I tell you, I went, we went into the psychology of the difference between an independent business owner who uh, didn't go to college to study the thing that they're doing and instead has learned the trade on their own versus somebody who went to college to study the trade that they're doing, went into W-2 work and worked in corporate world and then left. Those are two completely different personas that yeah. we've dialed in, right, into the minutia of what they're actually struggling with because they struggle with very different things. Okay. And so – 
we went there and we have three different clear personas. We redid my values to make them very clean and clear. And um, oh my gosh, what else? I mean, it was like a deep dive. And then even after we did it, the deck that you saw, then I went through and worked with, um, we have a creative director at HoneyBook, Laura. And I had Laura then also challenge me on it. Like I I asked, I said, don't tell me anything nice about this. I want you to tell me what you see that could be pitfalls and Mm -hmm. what what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And so I also got external, external eyes on some of that strategy. So I love that you, and I'm assuming you said it's Laura at HoneyBook. Oh, she's amazing. I'm assuming she knows you pretty well. She knows me pretty well. I'll say that she she knows independent businesses as well as I do, but from a different world. She comes from the design world. Okay. Uh, and she, you know, is a designer in New York City. So she – and she is just a legend. Like okay. she's amazing. So yeah, she knows me, but I would say she probably even knows the community okay. better than so she knows me, but from a different asked- point of view. So you were asking subject matter experts is yes. the point. Like you're, you're yeah. not going out and just like sending the slide deck to your best friend and your mom Correct. being like, what do you think? Like nope. you were- My mom hasn't seen it. As of this interview, my mom, my sister has not seen – my best friend has not seen my – oh my gosh, I should probably send it to her before it goes live. <laughs> None of them have seen it. And also a, another bit of advice for anyone listening to this is don't send your website around looking for people to tell you that it looks good. Mm. Okay. Don't send your brand photos around telling people like you don't I don't want anyone to tell me that they like what I put out there. If I'm asking you for feedback, like I already like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And by the way, side note friends, like you liking it should matter. Yes. Okay. So just remember that. But it is also really important that the people you're trying to serve like it. Because More it's not about you. even than you do. Yes. Yes. It's not yes. about you. It's about are you speaking a language that they resonate with? Will they respond to this in the way that you're hoping that they will? Because technically a brand that you hate but a brand that they love is still better than a brand that you love but they hate. Or ignore. Correct. Well, Ooh. both. Gosh, yeah. 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 Um, ignoring is probably even worse than hating it, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I say all that to yes, subject matter experts and asking for critical feedback from people that you trust who have a unique point of view, who have a different lived experience. Because again, I think one of the pitfalls that I have gotten into in the past on many different initiatives, but also I see a lot, is that you know when, when people go to get that feedback, they go to people that already think like them, work like them, or in the industry that they are in rather than widening that base of feedback and just making sure that you're getting different points of view and points of view that are going to catch things you might not or mm-hmm. you know give you give you loving and uh, needed criticism to push you forward and succeed not to tear you down and mm-hmm. having that type of trusted resource and human behind kind of the the additional strategy I think is important and I did I got a lot of pushback on things when we made iterations and edits and changes and um, even things that I cha- like I didn't want a bright, bold pink color. I was like, I don't like – I. the big thing is I said, I don't want to be girl boss. Please don't make this brand girl boss. Yes, I am a woman and yes, I am a boss. But I really, you know, I, I don't want this to feel girl bossy. And so I was hesitant to have a bold pink color. But I got some feedback from folks that were like, no, I think I think actually here, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there were little moments where I was challenged in my own perhaps hesitancy to mm-hmm. kind of push through or I'd be like, is this color too – like we have an orange. I'm like – Oh, orange, it's so bold. They're like, yeah, that's the point. You know, like I'm I like that. It catches my attention. It's you can't not, hide behind orange. Like it's no, there. You can't hide behind these bre- these colors on the new brand or the the logo and the boldness of all of it mm-hmm. and the posing and me rocking blazers. Like, come yes. on. And you know, it's yeah. Uh, so it's as fun. we're talking, it is Monday and your website launches 
Within the next two days. Yes. Yes. So by the time this podcast goes live, because we're going to time this podcast to go live like within a day or two of your website launching, it will be live so people can go see it. So can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So I would say head to nataliefrank.com. Check out the new site. Check it out on mobile. Check it out on web, especially if you like the the science behind you know brand and you've listened to this, ep- this episode and this conversation. Go check it out. And then also, I, it'll take a couple days, I think, for me to get my social media feed to really reflect the, bl- the brand. But what I will say is if you peek at the feed now, you'll see that I've slowly been adding a little bit more of the brand over the last couple of, of days. So give it a little bit of time, but also look at how we're translating this into the visual language of social media. That was a big, big thing that we thought through. Um, feel free to drop questions uh, you know, to me if you have them. We're going to add a section on the blog that is literally you ask, I answer. So if you have questions, drop them in there. I will be answering all of those questions on TikTok and on Instagram. So please drop them if you have them. Uh, let me know, by the way, if you're going through this process yourself, if you are a brand photographer yourself, if there's anything I can do to serve or support you on your independent business journey in any way, that's she's what I'm doing. Pe- she means that people like- I she's mean it. One- yeah, she's not one of those like, oh, let me know if I can help and then doesn't answer your DMs. Like Natalie yeah. loves to help. Yeah. Loves. I think of it like the friend that says, you know, I'd love to make you dinner sometime, but they don't actually mean it. Or like, come over anytime. But like if you actually showed up on their doorstep, they'd be like, what are you, what are you doing here? I'm the friend that's like, I'm going to make you dinner sometime. And then Just next tomorrow. Week, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally like next – I'm like, hey, I'm here. I have dinner. <laughs> Did you already have plans? Sorry about that. I've got ADHD. I forgot to give you a heads up. You know, like that's me. So – let let me do my thing, and yes. uh, you you come to me with whatever you need. Let me let me serve and support because we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of things changing in the next couple of years in our industry, and your voice deserves to be heard. Your needs deserve to be met, and you deserve to wake up every single morning being so proud of the work that you're doing. If I can help and aid in any way, you know, count me in. Natalie, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your passion and you, like honestly to like light me up. I'm ready to go and kick down someone's door and help them. Do it. After this. Do it. You do it every day already. I mean, again, <laughs> you're the reason I get to to do what I'm doing and I'm launching what I'm launching. And so thank you so much and to your entire team. Um, oh, a legend, Abby. You're a legend. Thank you so much. Grateful for you, Natalie. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?